Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. Welcome to really coming close to the finale workshop, a year long journey up the mountain. I'm gonna ask you to change a little bit as I think I've mentioned to you before and that is to join with me in praying the set aside prayer with a new word, unmanageability, replacing brokenness. God, please set aside everything that I think I know about myself, my unmanageability, the 12 steps in you, for an open mind and a new experience with myself, my unmanageability, the 12 steps, and especially you. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. We have two more sessions. We've covered an awful lot of ground. We cannot be as complete as I would like to be with chapters 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. I used to do those way back when I first started doing workshops, and it took 18 months to complete. So in the hopes of holding more people to the finish of the ninth step, I... Uh, kept the workshop scheduled to a one-year workshop. And I think it's much better. There's a probably a, between a 20 and a 40% improvement in the survival rate. So I think between that and maybe the Zoom and maybe introducing steps 10, 11, and 12 at the beginning of the workshop, which I did about three years ago, it's all been effective in helping people navigate this path and stay with us through to the very conclusion of the workshop. It's not the end, of course. Bill says it very clearly in step 10. We continue this work of our own spiritual development, of, but also as an integral part of that, helping other people for the rest of our life. For those of you who are thinking about being a step guide. My term for um, helping people go through the 12 step process, whether you're their sponsor or not. Now, obviously the best combination is having a sponsor who is capable of taking a person through the steps. But that's not my case, it's not my experience. I needed to go outside sponsorship in order to get the help I needed to understand and apply the precise instructions from the big book. Chapter seven is such a blueprint working with others. It starts off with this wonderful sentence. 
nothing will so much ensure immunity from our addiction, I'll broaden it, as intensive work with others. We need to really think about that sentence, especially in light of what we've all experienced worldwide with a pandemic and inoculation. And Bill is saying here, it, the first sentence of chapter seven, working with others, that this is our inoculation against the disease. This is our immunization. In step 10, he says it in a different way. We enter the world of the spirit and we're not cured. We have a daily reprieve as long as we, on a daily basis, he doesn't use the term practice, I will, practice steps 10, 11, and 12. It's very important, of course, that we take care of ourselves. The flight attendant says, put your mask on first, then you can help somebody else. It's very important. But quite frankly, the real turnabout is when I, whether I want to or not, I begin thinking about and then eventually helping somebody. It might be with your own fellowship. It might be with your addiction, their addiction. It might be with the steps, but it's not necessary. Help is such a broad word. That's why I dropped the word service. It could be interpreted narrowly or in some sophisticated way, but help, there's nothing sophisticated about that. It means you're gonna get your hands dirty, you're gonna move your feet, you're gonna be inconvenienced, you're gonna get tired, you're gonna be frustrated. All the words of chapter seven. I go through chapter seven periodically, probably once a year, intentionally looking for those instructions just to remind myself. And um, I've captured them and changed them over time and put them in the way of life document on page 54. I'm not going over them. I'm referring to it in case you haven't looked at the balance of the way of life document. It's got lots of potentially interesting. I find it interesting, but you might not. Potentially interesting material. This year I reworked those findings from chapter seven, probably artificially to make it into a methodology of 12 numbers, 12 observations as to help other people. I probably did it artificially. There's probably 14 or 20, but be that as it may, it might be helpful as a synopsis of, a succinct re reminder of. Periodically, I've made the comment, especially when we were looking at step one and Jim's story, the car salesman that put a little whiskey in his milk and Fred, the CPA that had that strange mental blank spot. I made the observation that if this was Bill and Bob reaching out to the asylums and the hospitals, it was a very proactive model. It wasn't waiting for somebody to ask us for help. It wasn't waiting for somebody to call us. The, the easiest thing we can do, at least once we begin opening up again after the pandemic is more secure, 
is to go to meetings because that's where sick people go. That's where broken people go. That's where addicted people go. That's where suffering people go. Oh, there's lots of hope and recovery and optimism if it's a decent meeting. And I don't go to meetings that are problem-oriented. I do not go to meetings that are problem-oriented. What it was like, what it was like, what it was like, what it was like. Oh, give me a break. I go to meetings, sure, what it was like, but they spend the majority of the time telling me what it's like now and what they did to get there. Periodically, I do a workshop. They were physical workshops up until a year ago on sponsorship. And at every one of those workshops, I did surveys of pe uh, for people to give me their input as to what they felt was a helpful sponsor. And I also read the book, 12-Step Sponsorship from Hazleton. If you, have an, if you have an interest in broadening your experience or doing a little extra outside reading on sponsorship, I, I can't recommend that book more highly. I read it three times. How to be a sponsor and how to be a sponsee. It's got two sections actually. But from the book and from the surveys that I did in my workshops and from my own knowledge and experience, I created what I call a profile of a sponsor on page 55 in the Way of Life document. Now, please don't look for that person. It's a total myth because it's an ideal. It's the various characteristics that make for effective sponsorship. But it'll give you a sort of a platform for uh, the ingredients that you might wanna look for or that you might wanna to aspire to as a sponsor. I use the image, as you know, of a lantern, a sponsor's like a lantern. A, sp a lantern's not the light, it's a transmission of the light. It's a conduit of the light, it's a channel of the light. And the brighter the light, of course, the more effective the lamp. The cleaner the glass, the more effective the lamp. But I see myself as a lantern that stands on the path that shines the light of my experience on the path that I walk so that others can walk that path and have their own experience. They walk it in the light of my experience, but not to have my experience. I, there's none, not one of you that I want to be little Herbies, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Each one of you will assimilate these instructions and these experiences and be conduits of a message as influenced by your own personality and your own experiences. And that's what makes it Magical. I'll use that term. The, one of the best ingredients that I found from the book, actually, 12-step uh, sponsorship, was that the person, the sponsor, the potential sponsor, actually enjoys their life and their sobriety. Wow, that, to me, that's an essential criteria. If they're not enjoying their life or they're not enjoying their sobriety, those are two potentially different things then, you know, wish them luck, but find somebody who does. There's a lot of talk about practicing these principles stemming from, of course, step 12, 
Bill never gives us a list of principles, not to my knowledge in writing, has never given us a list of principles. He indicates that the steps themselves uh, probably are what he meant by principles when he articulates on page 60. We pre uh, um, these are, well, let me read it because I don't want to mess this up. It's on page 60, as he's listed all of the steps, and he says, what an order. He says, the principles we have set down are guides to progress. So he's using the word principle as a synonym for steps. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection, which has to be the mantra of, as I've mentioned many times, 30 to 40% of you, I hope you, you put that on your flag. Progress, not perfection. I am perfectly imperfect and never, never aspiring to be perfect. That's just not possible as long as we're humans. But principles, they're, they're the guide rails. They're the guardrails even to walking the path. Like gravity is a principle of physics. It's immutable, it's non-negotiable. It just is what it is. You can violate gravity and you will hurt yourself. You can do anything you want because you have free will. And Bill astutely invites us to practice principles in all our affairs, but then it's up to us to read chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11. Chapter 8. What about principles in a significant relationship? It's entitled to the wives. It wouldn't be today. It would be to the significant other. Chapter nine, the family afterwards. Principles in our family relationship, immediate and extended. How about where we work? To the employers. Read that chapter and review it for looking for principles that might guide you in the workplace. Whether you work for yourself or you work for somebody else. Or you don't work, but you are supporting yourself in some fashion. What are the principles embedded in that environment? Chapter 11 has a very poetic title a vision for you. But when you read it, it's about practicing principles in your community and in your fellowship, both places. We live in a world that has two major categories if in fact you're involved specifically and actively in a fellowship. Not everybody you know is an addict in recovery. practice these principles in our community and in our fellow and in our life. And I, I, I have a line, I believe I've incorporated in one of my reflections, life is a practice. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful, gentle way of approaching every morning. Oh, I get to practice again. That's why I do inventory. If I do it in the evening, in the night, or if I do it in the morning, Steps 10 or 11. How can I improve today? 
practice these principles. When I sponsor people and they come to me with issues, we discuss the issue a little bit. We discuss their step work a lot. We discuss their spiritual condition a lot. We discuss their responsibility a lot. But eventually I make one recommendation and only one recommendation. Find out what the principle is. What's the principle in this situation? Oh, rigorous honesty? Okay. Oh, fidelity? Oh, okay. Humility? Oh, okay. Find the principle and then always take the high road. You've probably heard me say that. It annoys my sponsees. But okay. You always have to take the high road? No, I respond, absolutely not. You do not always have to take the high road. But you do have to live with the consequences of the low road. You can make a choice anything that you want. And I've added a new thing just in the last probably three weeks, at least verbally. It's been in my mind and heart, but it's never been uh, as part of this comment that I'm making. Find out what the principle is. Always take the high road and be generous. Be generous with life. Be generous with people. Be generous with yourself. I'm not talking about silliness and uncommon sense. No, no, no. And if you have any difficulty uh, determining what generous might mean and how to interpret it behaviorally, talk to your sponsor, assuming they have common sense. <clears throat> you can't out-generous the spirit. I've never been able to out-generous the spirit. I mean, I only know that in retrospect. I never knew that going forward. It's something that's really come very clear to me in the last decade, probably. And then very interesting uh, insight on my part. I hope it's helpful to you on page 57. I've referred to it before, but I thought we'd take a conscious look at it today. And that is <clears throat> that the methodology of the 12 steps is exactly constructed to fit us as human beings. The two things that make us specifically human, one is our mind and the other is our will. I began talking this way when we looked at step one. We have a body, but that's incidental. That doesn't make us human. What makes us specifically human is that we have a third brain, that cortex, which has two primary functions. One is to think and know, and the other is to decide and take action. And I've, I've observed, I think it's true, it's certainly true for my experience, all of the even steps are thinking and naming steps, and all of the odd steps are deciding and action steps. This methodology is built specifically for us as human beings to in fact, bring us and to bring out our true self and our humanity. The most important moving part of the program, page 58 is sponsorship. I think I've talked about that at some length. If you want more information on that, I have a three hour presentation on YouTube on sponsorship. It's been edited, it's got PowerPoints was done within the last year. Similarly, I have a 
three-hour workshop on prayer and meditation and contemplation that's been edited in, on YouTube within the last year. It's current. I've got another uh, three-hour workshop on step 10 and emotional sobriety. I've been busy these last year uh, with the COVID. It's been wonderful to be able to capture my past work, rework it and include the PowerPoints because of the Zoom media. But on page 59, it really sets us up to see a color illustration of the dimmer switch. That's the whole point of that page. And make notes if you don't have the pages in front of you. They're worth looking at because it, I believe it brands uh, the image into us that we talk about with this model of a dimmer switch. We get sober by doing the first nine steps. We achieve some sense of emotional sobriety by the practice of step 10. And we sustain and expand, improve and enlarge our spiritual sobriety with steps 11 and 12. When we looked at step 11, I showed you a coin with two sides. This whole thing is about turning from our self-centeredness to other-centeredness. One side of the coin, other with a capital O, meaning God, as we don't understand it. The other side of the coin, meaning others with a small o. Step 11, our relationship with other. Step 12, our relationship of service and helping to others. But that dimmer switch goes up a notch at a time, integrating us as true human beings. Optimal living, I call it. But it goes down a notch at a time, and that's the bottom half of this chart, this disintegration because we have a spiritual malady, that unmanageability manifests in those bedevilments. And if in fact, we don't treat a resentment that we have, we don't take care of and eliminate the fears that crop up on a daily basis or periodically. We keep secrets and or we have some sense of unhealthy, inappropriate sexual behavior by our standards, nobody else's standards, by our standards, because we established them in step four in the sex inventory. But mostly it's about secrets and compromise. And the dimmer switch goes down a notch at a time and the darkness descends. And the mind becomes vulnerable to the obsession and the delusion and the dimmer switch goes down a notch at a time and we relapse. Alcohol isn't waiting for us. Alcohol doesn't want to kill us. Our addiction isn't waiting for us. Our addiction doesn't want to kill us. That's silly talk. That's making a human being out of something that's inert. Alcohol, drugs, food, process. It's inert. It has no soul. It has no consciousness. But we do. We have the ability to be conscious. And the more conscious, the more we're aware that we can lean gently into the dimmer switch, pushing it up a notch at a time. And that we get sloppy and complacent. 
and rest on our laurels. It's human. And yet, Bill says we have a daily reprieve, stay of execution. He makes the point in step 11 in the 12 and 12, very graphically. As air, water, sunshine, and food sustain and nourish the body. Prayer and meditation, I'll add, helping others sustain and nourish the soul. I ate breakfast this morning because yesterday's breakfast didn't work. I, ate, I will eat dinner tonight because last night's dinner is last night, not tonight. I meditated this morning. I meditated this afternoon. I had a little extra time. If you want a litmus test, <laughs> do a quick inventory. You might want to keep this by your nightstand or some other place in the morning. Page 60, you might want to, in fact, put it in plastic <laughs> because it's the litmus test of your spiritual condition from my standpoint. If we're in the process of turning from self-centeredness to other-centeredness, what does it look like to be self-centered? That's the left-hand column. Notice at the bottom, the box is the same. Uh, it has my will in it. These are my decisions with my will, with my free will. I get to choose God or no God. Out of alignment or in alignment. That's the whole point of step three, isn't it? to commit to a process to be in alignment with reality, in alignment with God's will as we understand God's will. And then we unpack that with steps four through nine so that we can really understand what does that mean. And we're turned. Oh my God, we made this wonderful commitment in, in step three, which is um, academic and theoretical. It's just a commitment with a little prayer. No action at all, hardly. But... We put the metal, the pedal to the metal in steps four through nine. I mean, you're the survivors. You've all done some work. You may not have finished even step four, but it's okay. You've done some work and you're in the process of turning that dimmer switch up. And that's the evidence that you meant it when you prayed step three, the commitment to turn a willingness to turn, a willingness to do the work, to turn. And if you finish the ninth step, or maybe at some point where you're at, you've already looked back over your shoulder and you see, oh my God, I was willing to turn. I did a lot of work, a lot of hard work. I was faithful to the, I came and I participated or I didn't, but I did the work to the best of my ability, which is really all it takes. And I've, I've changed. But the next awareness is, oh, my God, I've been changed. I turned, but I've been turned. And the change and the turning that I'm experiencing now, and if you're not, you will, if you stay faithful to this process, that turning, that change is geometrically disproportionate to my contribution to the effort. That's my experience. And it's happened every time. I've done the steps four different times with four different people. And my awareness down the road, down the path, 
and now consistently as I look back over my shoulder a year at a time. Oh, I'm very faithful to this, pretty consistent with this, do a lot of work on a regular basis. But the outcome is disproportionately still disproportionately larger than my contribution to it. See, there's the willingness and the grace concept. There's the promise that Bill gives us poetically at the end of step five, page 75, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe, right on the money, walking hand in hand, co-creation, collaboration. Those are the words I use so that I can in fact maintain an alignment with the spirit. longer than usual in my teaching. Um, but it was a, intended to be a conclusion and a recap so that now you'll be sharing your observations, your questions, your challenges, your experiences, and especially in light of uh, assignment number uh, 30. Take a look at assignment number 30. It's the final wrap up assignment that has you look at the initial questions that you were asked to ask yourself and your responses to that. And then some other uh, reflections for you to evaluate. The book promises and I explained at the second meeting that we had the spiritual awakening was a change. You've done work, whatever you've done, as you look back over the 12 months, have you changed in your thoughts? Have you changed in your feelings? Have you changed in your attitude? Have you changed most especially in your behavior? Or at the very least, are you more conscious that change is necessary and more committed to make it happen to the best of your ability? All right. I want to thank you for the oh, countless hours of service you have provided us with videos and recordings. And I want to thank you, especially for my study group, because we would never have met each other. And if it wasn't for Carla, who's hosting today, you know, for bugging us and like, we're all like, nah, and she's like, oh, come on, we're all in the same time zone. So we did it. And you know, that has been, talk about the dimmer switch. I mean, we're, I hate to tell you, but we're going to continue without you. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> no, please. I we are. The whole we're we're studying, this. we're studying forgive for good right now. There you go. Yeah. Um, and I think most of us have recommitted to be listeners or step guides in yeah. your next thing. So for me, the spiritual awakening has been connected to, I, I looked, mm, let me try, uh, two thoughts. One, I looked back at the question I wrote um, about what was the source of my suffering. Oh, and yeah. I looked at the huge paragraph I had about my family and the split in my family when I was a child, yada, 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 yada. Now I know like from doing your work and I know the source of my suffering 
is me is my dependence <laughs> right on the expect on my expectations Got it. <laughs> on how everyone is supposed to answer me treat me like me so i mean what a turnaround um and then i wanted to say um that through you i finally understood about god and using reality as a higher power um and that I cannot understand God because I'm a human being. So I have to come up with something to have a relationship with. And with the writings we did in here, I was able to do that. And I love the idea of the looking back over the shoulder, looking back over the shoulder for the evidence. Um, I could go on and on, but um, what you just said kind of blew my mind because everyone says your addiction is in the next room doing push-ups. And right. it's waiting for you. And you just said it was inert. Right. And you just took the power right out of that. And I'm just going to use the image of just leaning into the dimmer switch yeah. Yeah. and not be fear-based, not even in my recovery. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's helpful to a lot of people to have the image that not to relax too much. So good. I'm glad you heard it the way it was said. So mm -hmm. thank you. So, so I just want to thank you um, for everything. You're welcome. That's buddy. it. Thank Bye. you. I guess I have a couple of things to say. Um, since I did my fifth step, I was I was having a tough time for a good two or three weeks. And um, I wasn't quite sure what was going on, but uh, in, uh, I guess, in reflection, I uh, was able to see that I was, I was having some denial about some of the things that came up in my fourth and fifth step, especially what I realized in my, you know, in my fifth step. And um, I was fighting against it. So uh, my higher power decided that he would allow me to see myself a little bit more clearly. Uh, and um, I started uh, like acting in ways I haven't behaved in many, many years. So it was pretty, pretty interesting. Well, that is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. You just didn't really like it at all. Um, I didn't know I didn't like it. I was vacillating. I think I was vacillating between how, you know, how much worse off is this than what I, worse off am I than what I thought? And, and I think I read it, I read it in one, I don't know if it was in the 12 and 12 or which book it was, um, or doubting that God could really do anything about okay. these, mm -hmm. uh, these new, or more deeply aware um, defects. Um, so I got convinced that they are definitely, definitely there and that has helped. But as a result, I guess I would, you know, I mean, I don't care if I'm behind, but I'm, I'm still kind of on six and seven. I mean, I, I have, I've made my, my list of defects. I've, I've made my list of people, you know, I need to make amends to too, but I'm, I'm spending some time there because I am understanding at least certainly step six 
in a completely different way than I have for like the last 35 years. Um, you know, becoming entirely ready has a whole new new meaning for me now. And um, and it's I think it's very spiritual because it, I can't even always explain it even to myself, but I can feel, you know, I can feel it, but, but be that as may. So anyway, you know, I'm going to be in between, uh, I'm pretty much done with six, seven, eight, nine, you know, I'm going to be there for a while. Well, you're, you're in a, it doesn't sound like it sometimes in a feeling way, but you're in a wonderful place of awakening to some of the things that prevent you from fully realizing joy in your life. And six and seven is that that's the, 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 the two punch combination, as I've said, prayer because we're powerless accountability because we're human and it's not like you're going to spend the next week in silence and meditation and come out the other side healed that's yeah. not how it works why not herb well um yeah well okay you can ask and answer that question yourself right um it's just not my experience However, the combination of prayer and paying attention to my behavior really changes me over time. And so that worksheet in the six and seven area in the way of life document for the turnaround in identifying the virtue and the behavior, that's critical for you right now. Yeah, yeah. And then as you just indicated, you're pondering it, you're in it. You're not stuck. You're just in it. Yeah. You're you're holding it, and it's like you're turning it over in your hands. Well, yeah, this is not this is not a the gift I had uh, expected. <laughs> right, right, and I, I'm I'm understanding, or I'm experiencing. I don't know which it is. Both much both. more clearly. Um, you know, why it is I need to ch change the behavior. Um, or at least want to. Yeah, or showing that I'm trying to, you know, if not it. changing it, doing what I can. That's it. Uh, uh, in order, you know, um, you know, to have some things, some things removed. So uh, that is, you know, all along the way I have had, you know, new ahas and spiritual awakenings. And, you know, I was thinking when you talked last night, I made some notes about, you know, so what has this whole experience really been like? And, um, you know, I went back to, uh, I heard you at the Marriott in Newark. I don't know, I think in the fall, I don't even know. I think in the fall, it'll be a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's correct. And, um, you know, you were talking about the statement in the big book about where Bill Wilson talks about that our recovery, you know, is based upon um, our spiritual condition and we only get a daily reprieve. And you, you know, raised your head and looked out over, I don't know, a couple hundred, <laughs> do you think he meant it? And I don't know, but that was just like, uh, just like a huge wake up call for me. It was like, I, 
I never even thought about how much she meant it before. <laughs> oh, nice. You know, and Thank being you. in Al-Anon, I read the big book a couple of times, but I was asleep. When yeah. I read that book, I was I was like, okay, this is so I can understand my husband better. I can blah, 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 blah. Um, so I, I think, you know, that's where I started. And I so understand one day at a time in a way I never did. And, and I think the big thing that I learned here was what it means to be human. Yeah. And um, somebody mentioned it last night, you know, it's like, I thought, you know, because I got involved with alcoholics, that that's what made my life unmanageable. And because I was the great, I'm actually, am I the great? Yes, I am the great granddaughter of alcoholics on both sides. And no grandparents, no parents were alcoholics. But believe me, it was alive and well. And um, it, you know, my life, I'm on my life's unmanageable because I'm a human being and I was just out there, you know, running the show. And also this idea that I am self-centered and I'm self-centered because I'm human and God built me that way because he knew I was going to be in some serious situations where I was going to have to flight, fight or freeze, you know, and um, it, I understand this in such a different way. It's like, that is, that's a good thing, you know, um, <laughs> Then learning that my feelings were chemical, that they were strictly chemical and that they would pass. And that all this time I'd been allowing them to run my life and thought I was making decisions based on that, but basically just reacting, right. you know, and trying to protect myself from danger as I might feel it. But they were just, you know, instincts that went awry. They, yep. they just had all gone awry. And, um, it, it, you know, it's just extraordinary to understand that. And that the only way I can stop my instincts from going awry is to have this daily relationship with my higher power. And I desperately need it. And I have to tell you, I still struggle. There are days I miss. There are days where the meditation is 10 minutes. I try to do, even if I have to do a minute, I try to do something, you know, my goal is at least 20, but it doesn't happen all the time. Um, but if I don't align my will um, and follow those principles, you know, I'm just going to keep getting what, what, you know, I've always got, no matter how good my intentions are, you know, because I, I don't have the answers. And I, I think that's the other big thing. I kept saying earlier, I didn't have the answers, but I'd say, well, but I didn't know the answer to this, or I do know the answer to that. You know, I just wasn't being dependent. Um, and, you know, I started thinking about, I know God now, that's the other thing I learned just in, in, in that, you know, your papers. He's, if he's everything or he's nothing. So if he's everything, he's the, he's history, he's today. And he's, He's tomorrow. And I started thinking, but maybe, you know, in the beginning, I, I, I liken it to a parent-child relationship. Like God 
created me in his image, but he, he wants to be there for me. And of course, that completely aligns with reality. Reality is where that there, you know, that there is. And, and you used the word again last night. It's completely immutable. He's not going to protect me from everything or save me. Um, but he, you know, if I want to follow and, and, and I've got to finish these steps, these four through nine, uh, to be able to follow these principles, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a better life and I'm going to be able to do help people more. Um, so the only other thought I had, I had it. I think I was I was thinking about this half the night while I was asleep, it seems like. But um, clearly you've given it a really lot of thought, but go yeah. ahead, please. I thought of the quote to err is human and to forgive is divine. Yeah. By Pope. And you know, I haven't I I I dialed into to Berger's uh, book book thing last night. And so I started to to hear. Uh, you talked a great deal about Fred Lesko and, and other people did too. And um, I ordered the book. It's coming Saturday. And, you know, I just strongly suspect that there's going to be a tremendous increase in my capacity to love and empathize, you know, um, in reading that book. Cause I'm, I've learned to err as human and, I think I'm starting to understand, you know, to forgive. It's all divine. It, it comes from my higher power. It doesn't come from me. I can't forgive somebody on my own. I have to go through a process to come to some understanding. So anyway, that's probably more than enough for me. Thank you. Well, you know, very thoughtful. You've uh, put all, all, most of the puzzle pieces together and you're seeing a very clear picture now, which is what, from my standpoint, that's the spiritual awakening. You, you walked up the mountain. It's an arduous path, but the panorama view that you just displayed, that's, you got it. That's right. Wonderful. Thank you. I know we deal with the 12 steps and we've unpacked. We've unpacked the big book from beginning to to the end of the 12th step and more. Um, but then my question is, is related more to what happens, what happens now when we go to meetings that are not step meetings. Um, and how do I ensure that they're not self-help group, <laughs> that they're not a self-help group <laughs> that, um, you know, somebody came in the other day and they said, what do I do about depression? And my, you know, my instinct was to say that the big book does not talk about depression. Um, you know, it helps, it helps us um, address our alcoholism and, and, and not anything else. And, and how do I keep to that? How do I, how do we, now that we've learned the tools, now we know how to manage our lives and to help, help perhaps help others. How do we keep it? How do we keep the 
how how do we you know how, how do we keep the program in 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 the rooms and the texts in yeah. the room yeah. and the solution in the rooms and not talk about depression well maybe we have to talk about depression maybe we have to talk about our experience on our journey of recovery maybe we have to talk about our relationships and our troubled marriages and our and our challenges with our children is this is life and this is part of recovery and so uh but your question is wonderful and that is how do you maintain a balance of staying true to the purpose the traditions of singleness of purpose and and yet there's a broad net here we have to be careful because your question is laser focused how do we avoid being a self-help group how do we avoid bringing too much psychology into the room and the problem is that um most of the people in the last 50 years have not used that challenge as a filter to maintain the balance of the the purity of the path and and yet we can't be rigid we can't be black and white about it um so i might make the comment in a meeting where somebody is experiencing depression concerning my own experience not that i had it but that my wife did and that she fought it 10 years sober doing the steps and yet she couldn't she couldn't break it so she had to go to a doctor and get medication and then after a year of medication she felt so good and she had a strong program she gave up her medication and guess what she became depressed again now i would share it like that i mean it's totally integrated to the journey of recovery and it also validates that There are places for the 12 steps and there are places for doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists and lawyers and accountants and that's life but we don't get into the weeds with regard to discussion of depression we just share our experience as part of our journey of recovery it's it's just a, such a great question and of course there's there's no black and white answer it's about common sense and trying to maintain the balance and you know we'll slip off the edge you've probably in the 12 months that we've been together you've seen me slip off the edge and become a little bit more too helpful a little bit too much counseling a little too much psychology or a little bit too much you know whatever self will and self help and it's all in as long as we try to keep it with the focus of we're looking for power it's a spiritual journey a journey to the spirit and yet i just uh, i'm writing something right now and i used the term we're embodied spirits so yes of course this is very spiritual but <laughs> it's also very material because we are flesh and we do need resources that support that but uh, we don't go into the details of dermatology if in fact it's a skin problem 
we just identify, oh, that's a skin problem. You go to a dermatologist. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, a, it's I wish more people would be conscious of that question and have dialogue about it in meetings, actually. It would be a wonderful topic for a meeting. Mm -hmm. I don't, did that help? Yes, it did. Thank you. Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Now, the question really surrounds and, and uh, can be answered when we're looking at how can I help a person knowing the limits of uh, the, the boundaries, if you will, the parameters of uh, being in a 12-step fellowship. Yeah. And be careful not to get too mired in psychology. That, that would be sort of my own warning, my own sensitivity, yeah. It's very easy to get involved if you have some knowledge and or experience with that aspect of it, because it is so important. And there's a lot of um, misinformation or lack of information. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Herb. Hi. Uh, I really wanted to um, express my appreciation and share with you my transformations which have been extraordinary i feel uh, i um what i noticed the most um in addition to walking into a room 30 pounds lighter which is no small feat it's like turning a submarine around underwater at night um <laughs> and um but I felt like, you know, I was ripe for your words in a lot of ways because you just gave a slice of a, of a sentence one night uh, and you weren't talking to me. Uh, you were talking to somebody else about getting a sponsor for eating. And I don't know, I just felt like, I used to say this to my graduate students, you're like driving a Lamborghini. And I did feel like, um, although there were one night where you gave me about 15 things I needed to change um, and I wrote it all down. But I, whatever it has been, whatever the small, medium or large things and all the time and effort that I've put in and I've missed very few and the sacred sister group and the phone calls and all the writing and all of the step work I am so different when I walk into a room with people. Mm. I no longer have to earn my right to be there. Wonderful. Which is amazing because yeah. Yeah. when I was young, as a young woman at, coming from an alcoholic family, I operated like a, a satellite outside of myself, separate from the group. And then I kind of felt like, okay, I belong. But now I feel such a connection. I don't walk in with any defensiveness. I don't have to earn anything. I don't have to show up with any credentials. I don't have to tell anybody I wrote anything. <laughs> I just have to be present and wanting to connect with them in a loving, compassionate, and sensitive way. And I'm having a ball. I am really good at this, I feel. I don't know, maybe I'm kidding myself, but I'm really having a good time. Yeah. 
and from young people all the way up, like I was the fairy godmother at my granddaughter's four-year-old birthday party on Saturday, and I just had a blast. So you would, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And before... What you're describing is freedom to be real, to be authentic. Exactly. And I did go on medication for depression and anxiety. I had not been willing to do that because my parents and my brother were all addicted to prescription drugs. And I always thought I needed to do the depression with exercise and not the Cymbalta or any of that. But it, it's really like the difference of driving a car with power steering versus stick shift. I do not have to struggle like I did before to be positive or um, so that's been, um, I think that after listening to you about the narcissism, my mother was very narcissistic and closed psychiatric wards. And I, I think I qualify. I think I have more than self-centeredness. I think it is narcissism and it, it, the, sadly, it comes out mostly in my marriage, and okay. it's just really difficult to want to get behind my husband's eyeballs. I can do it for other people, but anybody that stays around me for a sustained period of time, I want my chair, I want the best parking place, I want the best side of the bed, I want the best of everything, and you need to move over and now. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see what that is not like and i i will i will get there i will have that generosity of spirit that you talked about yesterday and i really did not understand and was quite resentful of why every time i made a mistake it was my fault but every time something went right it was god's <laughs> right and that equation that you put between being powerless versus responsibility has really, really resonated deeply with me. It's life-changing, yes. It is. It's a freedom. It's a freedom, and it's knowing where to invest my energy. That's I was investing it in how much eye contact people gave me, or how powerful I was, or how many credentials I had, or how much money I had or wah, 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 wah. And, but I was taught that, you know? Yeah, that's our culture, yeah. And I was a good student and I got all of it. I got all of it, but it is not what is important. Yeah. And um, my codependency came out in the Sacred Sisters. I've been going to Al-Anon for a very long time. I don't know what I've been doing in there, trying to be funny, trying to make the worst story, uh, any of that. And I was good, but I just didn't get until you said the codependency is the underbelly of the addictions and all that people pleasing and hypervigilance and monitoring. It is exhausting it is totally exhausting and being overweight and having my my vision in my navel and now my head is up and i and i breathe easier i'm telling you it's just so different yeah. um i really appreciated the people that called me after a difficult exchange with you or sharing these people just came down from heaven. I, get, I kid you not, from the group that just slid in like a home run. I, I 
can't tell you. I, I just want to cry. Well, that's great. I, see, I, I'm completely unaware that that happens, and I'm very, I'm not surprised. I'm just wonderfully pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that does. And we take care of each other. And I learned so much about my humanness from hearing everyone else's story. And I'm so grateful to everyone on here. And I really feel in love with everybody here. I just am such a sop. I <laughs> really, I just adore them. And, um, and I know all their postures and I know who's left-handed and who's right-handed and who gets in bed, who's, who talks from bed and who sits up the whole damn, you know, thing. And I can't, <laughs> anyway, I, um, I look up all kinds of words. I don't use the same word in any sentence or any paragraph. I want you to know I've learned that. And I pause, I, um, I'm a little disturbed by something I read by C.S. Lewis that said, and I think I read this correctly, that God is not fun or funny and God doesn't expect to be fun or funny. And this is not a fun or funny kind of journey. And I, I really like fun and funny. Yeah, so, be, so be fun and funny. Okay. And we don't have to linger long there. And I just have so many richer um, relationships. My sister, who was estranged from me for five years, we're back on track. So, um, I how just, did that happen? I don't know, except okay. that right. I, I put my hand down. All of your conversations about, do you need to know? You know, do it softly. I don't know what I did. I think it was that I didn't have a monologue when I talked to her and I asked her first, how was she instead of going off on her or um, yeah. I don't know, but there's a lot of competition between sisters who have sons. It's, it's cooperation and competition is what I've read. And my sons are doing a lot better. And I don't know, I don't know, uh, but I don't care. I just love this woman unequivocally and I've, I've let her know that I've become softer in every word that I say to her. Wonderful. Yeah. And I am because I love hearing that compassion and love that people tell me. I am, I just thought it was too small seat coming from me. It would be disingenuous or something, but it's not. It's how I really feel. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> yeah. And the way you talked about texting your son who was too busy, that's 48. I have a 42 year old son that has four children and a business that just, I text him all the time now. And he writes me back, your words mean more than you know. Oh, there you go. So I have withheld love. Uh, I have abandoned myself. But I'm on to that and I am doing a better job with it. I am very much on to that and that is part of my meditations and I have a person that I talk to once a week and we're, we're um, simultaneously working on that. And um, there's a lot of people that have done two-way prayer and they have the 10th step sponsor and they have a therapist. I'm telling you, it's all I can do just to keep up with these meetings and uh, to do the homework. I just can't be overwhelmed and compare myself to other people and all that they do. 
And I, it just has to be enough. And um, I, I have loved it. I have had fun. I have met extraordinary people and I want to continue and I have signed up for the next uh, to be a participant. I wanted to be an active member, but I don't know. I don't know why I didn't, except that I'm pretty active as a participant. Uh, when you attend the Friday meeting, if you're doing the assignments, it's every bit as active as everybody else. The only difference between Thursday and Friday is I have a roster of people who I call on on Thursday, so everybody is accountable. The listeners have the same assignments, and the only difference is they volunteer to share. I don't call on anybody. Well, I would, I would frame that differently. I have the control. On Thursday night, you have the control. Because you call right. on right. people on right. Friday, I can choose if that's, I and so that's exactly right. Yeah. And so I can manage it a little bit differently. Um, I was amazed with my fifth step how many fears I have and how deep they've run. And I have thought that I was poor white trash and how that permeated everything that I've done, including my best friend and judging her because she got pregnant in high school. And I just wanted to weep after I realized what I never said anything to her, but I thought it and I just I'm so sorry to have done that and to make judgments on other people because I felt that way. I'm so sorry. And, uh, but I'm so grateful to have that awareness and not do that now and not to do it to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of changes and, and, and be gentle with all of that, but really enjoy it. And, Please never lose your sense of humor and your sense of fun. That, that's great. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate that because you've said, you told me to lean into whatever it was that is, that sort of electrifies me. And that does, and that does humor and fun and uh, speaking. And I do have one question and it is really, really embarrassing. Um, but I don't know why I don't understand this, the dimmer switch. Mm -hmm. I don't understand the dimmer switch. You're always saying lean into the dimmer switch. And obviously that means, I mean, I picture it literally like the dimmer, you know, on the lights in the dining room where that, you- That's my image, yes. And, but, but what does it mean spiritually? What does it mean? Well, do you have a dimmer switch? You, you seem to be familiar with something just the way you use your fingers. All right. So could describe what a dimmer switch is uh, based on your experience. Well, if I had to, to, know, if, to apply it the way I would use it would be that you need to tone down your response or your emotions or your reaction. Uh, you, you're making too much of my question. My question was literally a mechanical electronic question. Well, the dimmer switch is to turn down the light. Uh, or turn them up. Or turn them up. All right. So if the dimmer switch was at the lowest level 
of the dimmer switch turned and the dimmer switch was pressed so that the lights were not on, it would be dark. Right. If you press the dimmer switch at the low level, the lights would go on, but at a very low illumination. Right. How does the dimmer switch connect to the electricity so that you get brighter lights? What do you have well, to you do? You have to turn it, and so you turn it to the right and it gets brighter. I never thought of it being brighter because dimmer, I got hung up on the word dimmer. It was always dim. So it wasn't to brighten it. I could not get why it was always dimmer. And I wonder if there's a better word then. I hear what you're saying. The, the actual technical term is rheostat, but my God, I would have to spend five minutes explaining that. So I wonder if there's a better word for it. Right. I hear what you're saying because it, it comes from the 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 lowest voltage in terms of dimmer, but right. I I that's the generic name I use for this mechanism that goes both up and down. And my analogy is that life is this huge dimmer switch. My my path, my human life, and I lean into it against it to push it forward and to keep it moving in that direction rather than going down. Because you want it to keep getting brighter. I do. Right. Well, I thought you meant you wanted to keep getting it more gentle and dimmer. No, 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 not and not and, and, more, and more soothing and more uh, sobriety. No. That's not at all. Not not even. No, not no. We're not talking about a uh, a sauna spa room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I obviously was. I don't know what I was doing with the word, but I just. Now I, you get it, though. I do. I do get it, and I appreciate your patience. Right. Anyway, it's been wonderful, and thank you. Thank you. I. Well, I am in that study group. I'm going to call it out. It was Carla who was like, y'all, we need to get together. Y'all. I just, I have such a girl crush on my group and I'm so glad that we're moving forward. And it's so interesting because we are going to do Forgiven for Good. And I keep saying there's something in that book that I need to know. And I just wanted to share with the group my experience. First, I want to say thank you because I was in your Culver City physical group. And, um, and then the fires happened and I had to leave Malibu. Mm -hmm. Then I tried to once again do the group and just listen. And the effectiveness of Zoom has not only captured my heart and my attention, mm -hmm. but it allows for an intimacy that I wasn't expecting in Zoom. Yeah, that's my experience with it. Because yeah. here I am, if you were in Culver City, you would be one of 150 people in an audience. And yes. yeah, I'd see your face, but not like that. I'm just talking to you right now. And there's nobody else that exists. Right. And maybe I go up to the microphone and maybe I wouldn't. Right. Used to say. Exactly. Right. So um, I just wanted to share an experience and it um, about the miracle of the the willingness to 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 let go. And so the other day I did a practice where I kept my my fists clenched and I said to God God I am going to continue to walk until I get the willingness to be willing to say out loud my part in these two amends that I will do in God's time and not mine yeah. 
And my fists were so tight that I actually created like yeah. indentations, right? And it was a supernatural event for me because it was as if my, I was so unwilling to unclench. It took 40, my dog was in love, but she was like, God, do this all the time because it was an hour and a half walk. And at the <laughs> end of that walk, I had authentically released both hands. Mm. And I went to the phone to call my sister, one of the amends I was gonna make and she didn't answer. And I was like, that's okay. One of the things I came in here with was my abandonment. What I learned here was that I abandoned myself. Mm, yeah. And so I'm so trusting in this co-creation with my higher power that I have, that not only did I not unclench my fist until it was authentic, yeah. when I let go and I was able to say, I withheld love, I'm the one who punished I'm the one who, you know, and, and I start, and it just, it, it, it's like fairy dust is sprinkling all over my body. Again, the more that I say that, the more free I get. And I wasn't expecting this. Right. When we started this workshop, it was his fault. Right. And you mimic, and, and I really appreciate you saying things like, we don't, nobody ever defined forgiveness for me. What happened, happened. Right. But what my response moving forward is my responsibility, 100%. I've fallen in love with co-creating in reality yeah. and yeah. God and finding the mystery and all of it. And so, and the fact that when you said today, I've been turned, it was like, wasn't expecting that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, and that we're always going to be progress and not perfection. So, you know, there's like, I'm sure we're all going to echo each other in the miracle that's going to continue. You know, it's like you're a lantern in the way that you describe your, your service. It's like, we have no idea who we're affecting by being present. That's correct. Oh. Yes. If you have to use words. Right. Yeah. Right. But anyway, so I just, um, I, I promote anyone to just keep their fists tight and go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> God, I burned like 2000 calories that day. I was like, woohoo. But um, anyways, I'm making light of it. But the truth is, it was an incredibly spiritual experience for me. Well, but what you're talking about, though, is an embodied experience. This mm -hmm. isn't a thinking thing. This isn't a praying thing. This mm -hmm. is recognizing that we're body and spirit and integrating it the way you just did and creating some ritual for yourself mm -hmm. to make it real. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And thank you for meditation too. My practice is finally mine. You know, I've been mimicking it for 30 years in recovery, doing what other people have said. Right. And I finally, after 31 years of sobriety, have my own spiritual practice. So Great. thank Great. you. Wonderful. Thanks very much. This workshop has just been amazing for me. And um, I feel myself being turned. You know, I, I know that I'm not completely turned because I still have um, setbacks and things happen. But for me, what is happening is I don't stay stuck as long. And I know the solution. I find myself, I, I have a practice too with the meditation. And that was, I was meditating, but I didn't have a real practice with it. It wasn't daily, it was sporadic. You know, I didn't set aside time 
for meditation. And I would just, you know, keep saying I was going to get to it. I was going to get to it in that day. I would never get to it because I didn't have a practice and I didn't set aside the time. Right. I feel like this whole process that I've gone, this whole big book study that we've done here, I've never done this before. And I've been in a program for a while, but I've had this experience and this experience has been wonderful for me. You know, it's been challenging you know, with the worksheets that you've given us and, you know, having to complete it and really having to sit and think and think and think, you know, and, you know, see my part in it, but also seeing myself differently. Okay. Really, you know, seeing how much I played and play the victim. Okay. I just did not know that I really had this victim role for so long. I mean, I knew it in some areas, but as I delved into that fourth and that fifth step, I really, you know, got clarity on it. And it's just been so many things that you've talked about throughout this workshop that I have experienced that have been so rewarding for me. And one of the things that you said tonight, you know, you talked about, um, you know, um, the disease not being, you know, human and us giving it these, you know, human attributes. Well, it's like, I have been hearing that and so many other things in, you know, the program for years, for years, you know, and one of the things that has happened during this workshop is like, um, it's almost like, um, you know, the language has changed for me, you know, and the definitions have changed for me when we talk about um, um, the program, you know, when we talk about unmanageability, Okay, you know, and like you talked about the source of my suffering, you know, and for so many years, I had that thing backwards. You told me that um, my life that, you know, I'm an alcoholic and my life was unmanageable because of the alcohol. But see here, I've learned that I'm unmanageable. Okay, you know, because God, you know, I'm managing my life. I don't have God managing my life. And I use alcohol. Okay, you know, because my life was unmanageable. I had that thing twisted and yep. that's the way they taught it in the pro, you know, in the AA meetings that I go to, everybody's walking around saying that, you know, their life was, that, that, that their life became unmanageable because of alcohol. Yeah. And alcohol. it's true. It's true. It's just not the full story. Right. Right. But I was, I was, I was, I was, I was sick and suffering before I even picked up. That is correct. That's, 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 and that's what I'm talking about, you know, and I just had, I didn't see that. And I didn't have that information before. So there's been so many tidbits that you have just given given me, you know, um, and changed, you know, my perception and my language and the way I think about myself, okay? And not being so hard on me, okay? You know, you talked about taking the high road, us taking the spiritual high road, but also being gentle and easy on ourselves. That was the part, you know, and not taking the spiritual high road with this arrogance, okay? Like somehow or another, I am superior to you because, you know, I'm all knowing I have the program, I've arrived. Not that high road, you know, Um, the high road where I don't have to argue, I don't have to fuss, I don't have to fight, I don't have to prove anything, you know, uh, when I see that someone, we don't agree, you know, um, or, you know, it's like, I've just changed my language and just saying, well, you know, we just see things differently. That's, you know, that's, and it was like, that just came to me, 
that I say something, say something like that to defuse an argument because I don't want to argue with people today. I don't want to be in conflict with folks. I just want to, I want to be okay with, with the people around me and I want to be comfortable and I want to be comfortable with myself. And it's like one time um, we were sharing and I was talking about myself and um, you, you, you said something like, oh, the things that make people not like you. You know, I mean, you didn't say it like in a mean way. You were just like, as a matter of fact, and it was like that stuck with me. You know, <laughs> I find myself, you know, seeing and doing is not trying not to do the things that make people not like me. Okay. Cause I can just be a nitnoid sometimes, you know, and just really be anal and uh, rigid about some things. And it's just not that important. Yeah. Those are the areas that I see that, you know, I am turning. You know, um, and I love this process and I feel like it's been transformative. I really do. And um, I'm just glad I, I, I'm glad that my sponsor recommended that I take this workshop and I'm glad that I committed, yeah. I committed and I was here and I was present yeah. on the assignments and, you know, being accountable. Yeah. Um, what happened with my study group was that um, my sponsor has been through your workshop a couple of times and I was in a study group. Um, and then my sponsor has other ladies who are also attending the workshop. So we did, we, we developed our own study group, you know, with my sponsor and the ladies that she sponsors. And it's been really, really good. Now they're in another one of your sessions. I'm at the end and they're at one of your sessions. It's kind of like beginning, but it's all good. Yeah. You know, um, because we're, you know, we're, we're doing, we're starting from the beginning and it's like giving me the opportunity to look over the work I did a year ago right. when I first started and see the progress that I've made. Yeah. And, and embrace the set aside attitude, even about that work a year ago. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Sure. Well, this is, this has been wonderful for me. Love your enthusiasm. And so thank you so much for sharing. I think I would just like to comment on your teaching this evening, if I could, um, um, and and an experience that I know, you know, if, unless I am in conscious contact with my creator in some way, shape, or form in the morning, sometimes midday, I just need things go bonkers. I, <laughs> right. Yes. I, I lose my, I'm off that dimmer switch. I mean, it's like, and it can ratchet back real, real quick. So what you said this evening, you know, resonated so deeply with me and I mean, right. So I'm human. So I like to experiment with that. Right. When I sit and lean back on my haunches, eh, I'm not going to, I mean, inevitably, it'll be mid afternoon. And I'm like, what the hell, what is wrong with me? Yeah. And if I go back, it's, oh, well, you, you know, you got up late, you, 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 you switched your, you know, your routine around. I mean, I don't like to get in such a routine that it's rigid, but that time where I'm sitting in the stillness with the God of my understanding sort of sets the tone for my day. So, um, and if anything, you know, I'm a little bit behind, but I have a beautiful step sponsor who 
meets me right where I am. You know, I was ready to, you know, beat myself up. And she said, let's be where you are, be where you are. So I'm so grateful for that. But what I have become more conscious of, and it's interesting, and maybe it's a spiritual awakening is, you know, there were some things that I was pointing the finger at my husband about. And all of a sudden, as I'm sort of blah, blah, something like sort of came into my consciousness. And it was like, what, how can you say that you do the same exact thing? Mm-hmm. It, oh my gosh. And it was just like, let, leave him be focus on your own schedule and agenda and look at that to-do list. And that one thing that you've had on there for five months, and yet you want to say, Oh, but yours was on there for six months. I mean, it was wild. So, um, and I'm grateful for that. Right. I mean, 30 years of marriage. I mean, how many years have I, it takes you so long to do things. So, um, I, I'm so grateful. I'm great, so grateful for this work, Herb. And um, I, I tell you, I don't know whether it is the Zoom. Um, it has been such an inspiration for me to listen, to hear you, to hear the and and to hear the people as they have their awakenings. And um, I'm just really, really grateful. So thanks. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And uh, there's been a at least 10, maybe 20% improvement in the survival rate because of Zoom. So I think there's something going on with that. Uh, uh, it, it feels very effective. So yeah, thank you. You know, I've, I've told you this before, Herb, that um, I have long-term sobriety, but I always had a yearning for more. I knew that something was missing, that there had to be more out there. And I had no idea what it was. And um, the way that I first heard about you, Herb, was I just saw the uh, the uh, thing you did with Dr. Berger on emotional sobriety. And I watched that numerous times of just about everyone that I had any kind of contact with in the AA program, I would forward that to them. So you gotta watch this, you gotta watch this. And uh, so I'm so thankful that God took me down that path. And uh, also that God gave me the willingness to kind of per, you know, look for you and find out what you were all about. Cause I really didn't know her, but it's, you know, that's kind of the way I came into Alcoholics Anonymous the same way. God has always done more for me than I could ever do for myself. You know, he took me down the same path to come in the program, but you've touched my life in such a deep way. You know, Herb, I've always loved the program and I like to sponsor people and I like to, you know, give it away, but you know, they always say you can't give away what you don't have. And, you know, I, I've, I've had a great experience in Alcoholics Anonymous, but it was lacking. And I know it now. And it's not because I didn't put the effort in. I just didn't know. That's why I do this work. Yes. Because that, that was absolutely my experience. What you just described, I could have put my name on it. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, I'm so thankful for it, Herb, because now, even though I've got, you know, all these years, I mean, I guess that doesn't really mean anything, but what it means to me is that I've come along willingly all along, asking for God to reveal things to me, and he has, and it hasn't been perfect, but I've done the best I could. And now I feel like with this new experience that it's a new journey beginning, and I'm very, very anxious to 
give some of this away that you've given to me now that I didn't have before. And it's, it's very excited about it. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful, good. When I look at that sheet um, in terms of what I've achieved yesterday, I was reading um, step four yesterday in the 12 and 12, and there was um, a little bit about how some people can either take the um, inventory in there's two unhealthy extremes. One is where they um, they refuse to see their defects and the other is where they fall into morosity and sort of just, and with my previous, I think, recovery, I think I would like to call my re previous recovery, my previous time working through the steps, I really used, um, I think the whole 12 step process as a hammer for self-flagellation. And my experience this time has been radically transformed. I believe that I am at a place of um, authentic self-acceptance and what that feels like for me and how that presents in my behaviour is that um, I just don't feel like I've got anything to prove anymore. Like I'm not trying to prove myself so much. Um, I still have like I still have a long way to go in the um, in certain areas, specifically like in my forgiveness. Like I'm praying for that daily, and I it's sort of a three steps forward, two steps backward type of experience. Like I I go forward, and then I'm like, oh, but she did this, you know, <laughs> and then it's sort of, and I go back, and then, but basically like. I'm moving forward and I'm, you know, it's, it's my daily intention, you know, is this forgiveness piece um, and my fear and um, that type of thing. On a material level, and I don't think it's a coincidence, my life, like so many incredibly miraculous things have happened and I think that that is a reflection of my inner work because I have not only a brand new job, I have a brand new career, which is deeply fulfilling. I have, we bought a house on a lake in a different state. And that's, that's because like you told me, you know, things that I, things that I, you know, like I've been able to show up for because I am a strong-willed person and I put a lot of effort into my disease. And now that that problem is in God's hand, there's a lot more bandwidth for the other aspects of my life. And also it took a lot of courage to go into this new career because it involved like a prestige cut and a pay cut. And that's only something that I could have done with um, my higher powers help. Well, and you're enjoying it, it sounds like, and it's a better fit for you in terms of- A hundred, like a thousand percent. Yeah. 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 So you're sacrificing quantity for quality. <laughs> yeah. 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 And somehow, I don't know how, but like, we don't, I don't feel like I have less because I feel like before when I had more, um, it was just getting fruited away anyway. No, no, it's right on the money. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and the the really good news is that experience doesn't stop. 
That's right. Because um, someone was, I had a conversation with the sponsee yesterday and she's like, do we have to do this forever? And I said, well, I said in the beginning, <laughs> I said in the beginning, it's a stick. You don't want to be in pain. So you want to get out of it. But towards the end, there's a carrot because you have such a good experience that more will be revealed and you just keep wanting more of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of sad that the workshop's closing, but I'm excited too. It's kind of like graduation from high school. You have a party and it's sad to leave your friends and, and to go into a scary new stage. But then you graduate perhaps from technical school or from a job that you've really loved or you graduate from a college and, and you have the same dynamic again. And here we're, we're, in a sense, we're graduating from this stage this season and going on to the next stage and season that's all please join me in the serenity prayer god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change courage to change the things i can and wisdom to know the difference that really is the heart prayer of uh, emotional sobriety that's where i'm going for right now. So I'm going to leave you abruptly. Thank you. Bye-bye.